0: Welcome to the Fit Affiliate Podcast, where we talk about behavior and behavior based conversations as they relate to CrossFit affiliate owners and coaches. My name is Lisa Hetherington, and I'm your co host. Sitting alongside me are Tony and Chuck, the founders of Fit Affiliate. And welcome back to another episode of the Fit Affiliate Podcast, sitting alongside Chuck and Tony. How are you this week, gentlemen?
1: It's good. It's funny. It's like become this unspoken, maybe it is spoken. I don't know. Everybody's like, how's Lisa going to intro <laughs> this time?
0: Yeah. I try and, um, it always seems to sound the same, but I try in my head to make it different, but
2: you know, I'm just curious when your lisp was going to show up to this. Don't, yeah. Now we that you showed it. that to me in that other one, I'm like, I'm, I've never heard that before. Me neither. I was, yeah. It would- Somebody needs more sleep. Why don't <laughs> you tell me? Why don't you tell the listeners what time it is while you're recording this podcast? It's uh 2 42 a.m.
0: Yeah.
2: It's noon yeah. for us. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's what I do for you. Um <laughs> you just have to bring that up too soon. Um, anyway. <laughs> on today's episode, we won't talk about my speech impediment that I may or may not have. Um today, what I thought we would actually speak about. <laughs> Is being these are
1: actually related?
0: Oh, <laughs> I'm not sure how. Um, we'll you'll
1: see.
0: Okay, I can't wait. Is um, an Instagram post you did yesterday was regarding around mm. being a great coach and setting yourself apart from the market, and everyone thinks they're being different, but they're not. And there's a lot of things that go into being a great coach. And I know a lot of our content is usually directed at affiliate owners but there's a lot of power that coaches can bring to their affiliate owners. So through being a great coach and, and doing all the things. So I thought that was a good topic.
1: So here's how it's relevant. How many coaches have taken like L1, L2 and a bunch of specialty courses, but they've never spent any dedicated time studying public speaking, looking at isolating communication as a skill working on writing and speaking and orating as deliberate areas of focus.
0: Very few. So that's
1: why it's relevant. Everybody's like, we've got great coaches. Well, you should, man. You're dealing with people's, (laughs) you're dealing with their spines and their knees and their hips and they're moving heavyweight quickly. Like, yeah, you guys should all be good at the job. No, no duh. Mm. But being good at the job is different than being exceptional at the craft. And that's also very different than being useful for the business
2: Mm. but i think that's the bigger problem right because back to what you first said which was actually i think wrong in that most coaches think that they're special i think it's hmm. the exact opposite most coaches are trying to not be special they're trying to be essentially mirror images of each other almost on accident right because they are trying to execute to the best their ability the framework of excellence that they have come to accept and understand but just like Chuck just said, that's the standard, right? It's not, that's not excellence. That's the, that's the, binum, <laughs> the minimum, the bare minimum. We entry. all got <laughs> to teach That's than that. Let us come. You know, and I think that that's one of the big parts is that coaches don't spend any time that I'm aware of stepping back and trying to figure out what do I do differently than everybody else? Or am I just the same? And then they end up, in our inbox no doubt about it around calls with us complaining about competition right they're like there's too many people and blah 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 and i'm like well yeah what are you doing to differentiate yourself the answer is very little
1: you guys all have the same classes at the same times with the same programming and all the coaches go through the same basic training pipeline
0: it's crazy and uh, and people are tending to use the and not there's anything wrong with the development but you know well if i've got my level three i'm i'm different to everybody else but that's just a learning progression. It's not truly a demonstration of the mastery of being well, a especially great coach.
1: relative to the testing mechanism of the L3. That is
2: knowledge accumulation. Mm. And you're rare right now, but everybody's going to get there sooner or later. So you're not going to be that special for very long.
0: <laughs> yeah. The less than 1% number might need to be adjusted soon.
2: I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah. So, you know, if, if, Coaches are, I guess, almost subconsciously trying not to be special because they want to, they see what they think it should be and that's where they're going to be at. How do we help them or how do they realize, you know, that there are other options to move their, their own needle forward when it comes to their potential to help the business increase their income to be more valuable?
1: I think that something that, you know, like I got from Tony that we speak to constantly is 90% of the relationship is predicated on the first 10%. And so what is the first 10% of a coach's relationship with coaching? It is very formulaic. It is, these are the nine foundational movements and this is the path of progression and these are the points of performance and this is the queuing mechanism. That's the L1. Like maybe you get to the L2 and there's a little bit of room for novelty and variance so long as these very central core concepts are adhered to. But if we're talking about moving past training and instruction and actually looking at coaching and affecting behavior change, it's like, hey, you've been coming here for three years. Why (laughs) is elbows up hard for you at this point? That's something we should investigate. You realize that if you're asking a unique human about a unique problem relative to their own context, then like anything that is formulaic is inherently flawed. But that's the introduction to the role in the relationship. And that's where coaches struggle. Like that's what we got more exposure to than anything else, specifically through our time in the gymnastic course and CrossFit gymnastics. Because everything with a barbell is, it's easy to simplify sequences of progressions initially for most people because you just add kilos or pounds. Like you start with a piece of PVC, you can progress load from there. Press, push press, power jerk, split jerk, like that makes sense. But then you look at even three people trying to get to a pull-up. For most coaches, they're like,
2: ah,
1: I don't really know what to do with my hands. Like, right. Mm because you don't know what the actual issue is. Right, so we need to investigate and be a little bit more curious and not assume to have answers and really instead we need better questions. Hmm. And that's really the coaches that end up differentiating themselves, they spend more time seeking questions than answers because the ones that are the answer chasers, younger version of myself, like we're just accumulating pieces of validation trying to mask insecurities and lack of confidence with just like stacks of accomplishments that are barely fucking arbitrary. And the thing that like really was the big belief break for me was what life coaching certification does Tony Robbins have? Mm. None. Oh, who's done it bigger? Who's done it better? (laughs) Who's had more impact? Who's made more income? Mm. Oh, maybe it's not about stacking those credential pieces, especially if where the whole episode is, we all end up in like basically the same place at the same time with the same skills, but not a lot of variance in application, implementation, utility.
2: Mm. Um, you know, back to the individuality is, you know, what makes you special? You know, the answer is actually every single coach is special, right? Like because your experience gives way to niches. Right. Like that's just how it works. You have a unique worldview different from everybody else. But what's interesting about that, if not problematic, is that from that sort of unique worldview, that that conceptual reality that you have that is definitely different than anybody else about it. um, You move into this lens of becoming, you know, a trainer and a coach, et cetera. And almost systematically, you Almost seek to destroy that unique worldview, right? You almost you try to you you basically put that on the shelf, and you don't really go back to it, right? Because the entire nature of what you seek to to learn and pursue, you you know the levels, level one, level two, SMEs, whatever that looks like, you know most of that stuff. Its big risk is taking away what makes you individual. But no doubt about it, if I go into any gym. And there's five coaches. All five of them are different, right? They, they interact differently. They have different energies. They have you know, different mannerisms. But rather than lean into what makes them individual and rather than lean into what makes them unique, more often than not, I watch coaches time over time lean into standardization and then they lose their identity, right? But And then on accident, you come out the backside with all this accumulation, all these acronyms and all these things with no idea who you are anymore. And mm-hmm. You've lost your identity. What was unique for Chuck and I was a, was a truly, it was a gift really, was being gifted the opportunity to be the SME for gymnastics because that forced us to lean heavily into our niche, into our, you know, our background, our experience and our worldview. And that allowed us to basically carve a place that was special, right? So like, you know, as the quote unquote gymnastics guys that we're always referred to, like, We carved that out. We leaned into that. We went all in on it because we were able to do that. But it was unique to us. So we're not insensitive to the journey. Like, no doubt about it, when somebody's paying you to get on an airplane and go teach this specialty thing to these specialty interested people, you start to take on an identity that I'm a special teacher, right? Like, and that's Mm. a little bit easier. But that happens every single day in a microcosm inside the gym. But I find it very difficult for most coaches to tell me what's their niche. Mm what makes you unique? And they're just like, uh, I don't want to be unique. I want to be the best version of everybody else. And I'm like, well, you're going to have a hard time there because you're not everybody else. And you don't want to be. Mm. Mm. And that,
0: that is a, a popular topic of conversation that I've had this week with some clients around. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes. You um, <laughs> had identifying what their, their, you know, niche is, and they're, they're like, well, Everyone else can see it. Why can't I see it? And really struggling with that inner conflict is like, can't you just tell me what it is? Uh, that's not <laughs>
2: how it works. <laughs> Peter Pan. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I suppose you could in theory, but right. But like, it's just like, it it's, it, it alienates the entire model for us. And that mm. telling you what your niche is a lot like giving you advice. like Because unless you have the epiphany, they're like, oh my God, this is the thing that makes me really, truly unique. If Chuck told me what made me unique, I'd be like, dang. You, (laughs) what the fuck I supposed to do with that now, right? But like when you when you're empowered by that your own epiphany, like you we've talked about this before, you'll run into that fire, and like that's why you have to stumble onto your own. But it's 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 fascinating for us to watch, you know, so many developing new coaches, old coaches, etc., try to almost on accident just strip away what makes them unique to be Mm -hmm. like everybody else because that's what they you know almost on accident were taught right, we're like. I need to to match everybody else and you do, but that's still only again is your is your minimum, is your bare minimum. Right. But so I think we gotta build from there.
0: But I think too, people look at coaches in the in the CrossFit, you know, ecosystem as that's who they aspire to be like. So they're all trying to be a Chuck Carswell or a, you know, a um Todd Widman or those guys that they may have experienced in there are one of like, yeah, that's that's who I'm gonna be like. And it's Well, no. You need to do you, boo. You need to be well. You also don't
1: realize that there there is a lot of them that you can take and shape and emulate because it's being good in a number of skills that are just applicable contextually in an individual sense. Mm. Are they competent individuals? Yes. Are they knowledgeable? Yes. Yes. Are they high level communicators? Yes. Are they good at connection and rapport? Yes. So like they just they check all of the boxes, but those Mm. are none of the pieces of the standard coaching like trajectory and training. Mm. They're pieces that some individuals pick up through experiential learning innately. And then a lot of coaches like they end up in this really sticky, messy middle. And like that's a lot of that's a lot of what we saw through the years. And then we saw it replicated in our own clients gyms time and time again. You're like, oh. Now I'm exposed to this from enough angles that I can step back and like I've got pattern recognition, right? Like got to see it yeah. with participants and courses, got to see it with the coaches in our own gym when we were owners, and now getting to see it on like this side of the iron curtain of affiliate in a you know a hundred affiliates boxes all over the world over the last three years. You're like, huh? 80% of your coaches go through this education pipeline in this niche that we all exist in, and they run into this brick wall of frustration where they're not Mm. continuing to ascend their impact or their income. They're not really helping their clients a whole lot more. They feel stifled in the gym. They don't really know what to do about it. It's like, yeah, because you've run that path as far as that path goes on its own. Mm. Now you need some awareness of like what the path actually looks like past just stacking these basic certificates that anybody in this field that gives a shit and wants to do a good job is all going to do. So what and are I think, stats and what do you do with it?
0: They get to that fork in the road, and that's where a lot of coaches will then go. Well, I'm just going to go open my own box now because that's the no, no, the, the next level of the game.
2: Right. I mean it's it's the it's the logical progression, right? Because they they get to this this brick wall, so to speak, and then they're like, "What gives?" Right. I checked all the boxes. Where's my golden hen? Right. Like you know, nobody told me, and so they they find this eternal frustration. And I think maybe like a good analogy of it would be like. You know, what most coaches are enduring is essentially their, their higher education, right? Like they're all basically just at a minimum have all finished university. To be a great coach, right, just would be like being a great employee, whatever field you're in. If you were an engineer, obviously what you learn in university is just enough for you to get started. But then it's all the accumulated use and application and in, 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 in packaging of that information that makes you, the, you know, the world's best engineer, and, and then that's the part of it that I think that is essentially, like Chuck said, where we stumbled into the huge epiphany that was like, oh, nobody's talking about that part of it, right? Like everybody's teaching you how to get started, right? How to get to the finish line. And that's really what it is. Level one, level two, level three is really just getting onto the starting block, mm-hmm. moving from that point forward and winning the race or even running the race Every single day is, is essentially one more step, right? And so how you, how you move forward and what that journey looks like. And that's what we sought to create when we built, you know, what we call the MDCP. And that was just that, like, because it all comes back to the thing that you said, which is the end of the road, right? That's the thing. They followed the road and there is an mm-hmm. end of that road. And then they're like, well, now what? Right? Because most of us are, are process driven humans and we're system followers. And so they do follow the road. They do follow the path. They do follow the journey, and then they find themselves with basically a machete in their hand, you know, in a headlamp, and they're like, "Now, it's basically, go cut your own trail." And they're like, "Can I just redo this one?" Right? Like, and they mm. want to go back, and we watch them happen all the time. Like, you know how many people have retaken my seminar? Like, and I'm, I'm glad that they're there because I love those people. But like, what are you doing here? I mean, sure, you can fire host. You want to learn more, but like. Is it really going to help you learn more? Like you need to process, package, and distribute that information. Learning more Mm. of us is going to make you start over again. Mm. And like that becomes the part of it. And that's essentially what we wanted to do when we built the course was teach them how to think critically, how to, you know, package what they know, promote what they know, and, you know, partner with what they know, and then utilize that information. It's not about acquiring more. There's no shortage of resources to acquire what they need. Mm. And so I think helping people find, sorry, go
1: for no, it. No, my, go. my talking point doesn't change no matter what. So go ahead and get okay. you, your head and mouth out either way.
0: I was going to say, you see a lot of coaches that are obsessed about, you know, they drop everything and even some affiliate owners, they drop everything to focus on that L3. That's the, that's the Holy grail. And then once they get that, it's like, Oh, nothing's changed. Well, I, uh, okay. I don't have so more money. Like
1: the piece of like, you know, the social dynamic of the community at large because what other universal status symbol is there for the tribe Mm. because for whatever reason a bunch of shitheads in the industry have led to like monetization being frowned upon and like that's not an incentive which like i've really changed a lot of my views as i've matured through life but like if we're not going to look at it as a financial metric, and why I go to finances is because based on people's value structures, it, it is nearly impossible to find like a universal communicator of value. So like mm-hmm. all we have is the L3 as a communicator of status, right? Like if we can't create some pieces like, hey, everybody that gets to this level, like it means this, we're just like, I don't know, that level's all we got, mm-hmm. go to the level. Getting to the level, the awareness that needs to be built is like, yes, you run into the end of that road. And then there's two roads to take, but the belief changes that you have the ability to travel both. And one is the road of continuing to advance as a coach, understanding that like, what got you here? This is university education. The rest of it is looking at specialized skill sets and not as SMEs, but like understanding the craft, really working to grow as a provider, as a professional and the other road is improving the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the thing that well both of those things most coaches struggle to understand that like they have the ability to take the reins and move forward with. They will generally recognize some limitation in skill set first, but very rarely will they look at the idea of what is the opportunity that I have and what is my responsibility in creating a better opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so like we got to see that from both sides. We've spent 15 years working, you know, with A lot of coaches and few owners and then three years working with a lot of owners and few coaches and so the problem exists on both sides is that like everybody's like it's not my problem to create a better opportunity they're like bitch i built the business you figure out what to do in my business to make a better job for you and the coaches are like fuck you it's your business give me a better job to do Mm. dude you guys can work together holy shit, you should it's not that hard either but you know regardless of how much we continue to ascend the coach as an individual regardless of how much we equip them with a monster skill set, if they don't have a good opportunity to employ it in, all mm. of the lessons and knowledge is lost because they have no mechanism for retention and improvement, but also like, holy shit, what a wasted opportunity.
0: Mm. And I think the biggest um, complaint, I guess, from affiliate owners is that when they come in for a consult is they don't get enough help their coaches aren't helping them. they don't feel like that anyone wants to do anything and then the coaches are sitting there going um, yeah <laughs> okay anyway i feel like i'm targeted this call i don't know why no, dude, it's um, everybody that shit is it's, universal it's, yeah it's the same and you know the coaches are sitting there going well i want to do more but no one will let me do anything and they always say no to my ideas and it's this cycle where um, the affiliate owner doesn't want to let go because like knowledge is power sometimes. And it's like, well, then they'll steal all my knowledge and go and run an affiliate, which once they know your knowledge, they definitely are not going to open an affiliate. They're like, well, this is this is, my coach maths was wrong, but, and then the coaches are, are wanting more, but don't know how to ask for that and approach that. And it just goes in this cycle of everyone gets frustrated with everybody and they feel all feel limited. And then everyone's pissed off. And then it ends in a shit show. Welcome to life. <laughs> Well, maybe that was just me. I don't know.
2: Well, no. so tell us more, Lisa. <laughs> that was good. Um, yeah, we we've got Lisa to the point where she rants now too. Now there's three of us just <laughs> spouting off at the mouth. This is fantastic. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. Uh, no, I was that was great. I mean, and you you basically nail it, right? But um, it's like everybody's lost in the same corn maze. Right, so like everybody's running around yelling at each other, like how do I get out? And everybody's like, I'm fucking, no, I'm stuck in here too, asshole. Where'd you just come from? Look, both parties are holding machetes. And be like, right. you know, we can just use teamwork and cut our way out right here, right now. Or sick of like blow torches, right? They can just literally just eviscerate the whole field in one swoop. And they're just like, what am I gonna do with this thing? Light a candle, right? So <laughs> like, it, the whole thing is, you know, one of the reasons that we we built you know the MDCP course was 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 twofold, right? It was that one. It was, you know, over a decade of traveling the world, teaching a seminar to a room full of people that we knew, no matter how much we taught them, they were still screwed, right? Because they needed to know, like, not only did they get firehose information over that weekend, because we needed to, but like, they needed to be able to package that information and then distribute that information. And we knew that like that part of the conversation is just not talked about, right? Because- step back from, you know, levels and in, in SMEs and in courses and in education and information. Cause like you can do whatever you want. How many truly successful coaches are there? Like, and I mean, and we'll take it back to finance. How many of the coaches that you look up to have made over a million dollars as a coach? The answer is very small, right? But like as, as two people who have climbed that ladder and we've done that and put that time in there's a very specific thing that differentiates you from your ability to learn and acquire information and then to become, you know, essentially a millionaire coach. And that has nothing to do with exercise science and, and physiology. You need that information, but that's an assumption at this point, right? Like if you're listening to this and, and and you found yourself in possession of whatever acronym and certification, you know, or, or licensure, like there's an assumption that you know how to acquire information, <laughs> when it's needed like when a client struggles with something you know how to google it look for it find it whatever the question still remains do you know how to package that information and distribute it effectively making yourself more valuable right because positioning as we talked about in that post is probably easily the single biggest missing skill of every single coach that i know in the industry They don't know how to position themselves. They don't know how to package the information that they have. They don't know what their niche is and they have no idea how to promote themselves. And because of that, they find themselves constantly searching for permission. And that was the real reason that we built the MDCP course that we wanted you to learn what to do with the information that you have because you have so much of it and you have acts like you still have access to the journal, right? There's the wealth of knowledge right there. But we wanted you to stop feeling like you had to ask for permission, Like we've spent enough time with gym owners to know that there's no gym owner who's going to turn down you making more money for them, right? They're going to have trust issues, but there's a way for you to do it that will provide faith on on both sides. And respectfully, there's no shortage of opportunities for you to make more money that will benefit the affiliate. Right. So like there's not.
1: One second, please listen specifically to his word choice.
2: Mm.
1: An opportunity to make the business more, more money. And in turn be like paid as a piece of that increased production, but it is not, Hey, I just need an opportunity to make more. Mm. You need an opportunity to earn more because you're a part of delivering more value. So I just wanted to make sure that was highlighted. Anyway, continue.
2: Well, I, and I think that that's where there's almost a weird source of entitlement that comes out of it, right? When we've amassed the information. We've ascended the ladder. We've acquired the information. We've checked the boxes as a coach. Pay me, right? Like, I'm worth more. Give me more. I should get more. And like that's not true. You sh- you have to create for your own. The unfortunate part of becoming a coach, if there is an unfortunate part of it is that it's entrepreneurial, for sure. You must think like an entrepreneur. You must think about how to solve problems for people at scale because the more you can do that, the more valuable you are. But if you don't have the ability to look for opportunities and solve problems for people with the skill set that you have, which is no doubt about it, entrepreneurial, you're going to have a hard time. And the only thing you're going to do is go to your owner, knock on the door be like, hey, Tim, um, can I get a raise? And Tim's response is going to be like, I would love to give you a raise, but what have you done to contribute value? And then immediately, completely exacerbates the whole relationship, right? Because now you as the coach, you're like, what do you mean, dude? I'm doing a great job. And Tim's like, yeah, but that's the expectation. Like, what are you doing for creation? And he's like, that's your job. And then so we get back in this nose pointing thing where it's like, it's your job. No, it's your job. You have to understand that when you become a coach, you are essentially a contractor for life, right? You're going to be able to create and you must be able to create. But the thing is, is that those two things, the affiliate and the professional coach mutually coexist. They have to, right? Because where I think a lot of people get confused is that you, we do climb the ladder. We do check the box. And we think that like, okay, I guess the next thing to do is on an affiliate because that's how I'm going to make money. (laughs) That's rude awakening is coming there, right? (laughs) And so, you know, so you got all these coaches on their side. They looked, you know, to these, these intrepid affiliate owners like, wow, you must be rolling in cash. And these affiliate owners are like, dude, can you help me make some money here, please? And then so you have this weird sort of like broken relationship. But coaches should be making the affiliate money because the affiliate takes the responsibility, the liability and all of the risk off of the coach no doubt about it. Mm. And in exchange the coaches have a place to be able to conduct their business with the people who would like to can pay them and and be a part of that business and the affiliate uh, provides them the space to do that. Mm. Right? And that's really all it comes down to. Like you get all of the reward with very little risk inside that affiliate. Mm. That's the key for you. Build your own career inside there, benefit the affiliate and the affiliate will benefit you.
0: Mm. And I think you know one of the pow- one of the most powerful things for me when I was in the affiliate and I had um, a coach, Colin, who was very invested in, in what we're doing, wanted to help me grow. But it wasn't until he did our the affiliate power numbers program where he actually understood why I was, you know, what metrics mattered and, and how he could contribute to that. And he was like, oh, so somebody cancelling, really makes a big difference to us, not just, oh, well, we're not (laughs) going to see Susan anymore. It's, you know, it's,
1: and. Oh, that makes it harder to pay the
0: bills. bills. Oh, and there are a lot of bills, but it's also, Hey, I've got this idea. Let's, you know, and he could felt like he then had permission from an external third party to bring an idea to the table. And my job was to be open and receptive to that idea but I I remember distinctly one day I was doing something and he's like dragged me back out to the office and pointed to my number that I had on the board for uh, a goal. And he goes, does that number factor in whatever it is you're just about to do? And I went, well, no, he goes, why are you doing it? Which was a really powerful moment because he got it. He understood it was more than just teaching the class and, you know, doing a good class and having, making the members give them, you know, a great experience. There was more to it that, made the magic happen, you know, and that coaches could be in control of their destiny to a degree.
1: Well, and like that's part of the nature of it being a group model rather than individual coaching. Mm. You know, coaches work well in a dynamic that is familiar to them, both in the in the execution of the role and also most of their education. (laughs) Being around other people helps them collapse beliefs faster and build better perspectives. And when you get a group of you know, fairly ascended coaches that all feel some degree of similar feels in their role in the affiliate, and as they talk through it, and they recognize all the differences in frameworks, views, and perspectives, but what becomes very, very clear is like, oh, shit. We are all the constant in our own problems. No matter how different these gyms are, no matter how different the ownership structures are, no matter how similar our own education trajectory is, like we have all landed here because Mm. of ourselves. Mm. Cool. How can we work on problem solving it? And when they get a little bit more insight and a little bit more information in that group dynamic, it's wild. It's the same thing that you saw with Colin. Mm. The first week that we have the participants in power numbers start to aggregate a scorecard so they understand how the business operates universally like half of the coaching clients as owners that we have on the roster are like hey whoa whoa <laughs> colin was asking me about numbers and it's like yeah okay so <laughs> well it makes me feel weird mm. why imagine imagine if you will if you erase your own like limiting <laughs> beliefs and traumas and stories like what would happen if you tried to pass over somebody fucking managing chick-fil-a but they weren't allowed to see any of the numbers
0: yeah it's
1: You'd be like was... how many spicy chicken breasts do we need to order You'd be like i don't know dave but you better figure it out or your ass is fired you're like well how much money do we make on milkshakes
0: You better yeah. right and it was really interesting because you guys had pointed out I was including Colin on my weekly check-in as part of my coaching and you're like, well, that's big. I went, well, if I've got to, if he's going to find out something, I'm going to get go all in. And I gave full transparency to my feelings for the week, my failings, what I was learning. And I was like, I'm just going to go all in. And it was really uncomfortable, but then flip side, once you get past that, it's really powerful to go.
1: How, how quickly did that happen that you ended up on the other side of it where you're like, this is hugely yeah. beneficial. Mm. for all three entities right like the asset the owner and the business
0: Mm. yeah it was it was one of the most powerful times i think and in the affiliate where you know i truly felt like this is how it's meant to be this is what this is the dream you know so yeah it's it was a powerful tool
2: the very intention of pin was essentially the same intention that the program was is that Fit Affiliate was designed with one core belief, and that is that we believe the affiliate owner has the solution to their problems. No doubt about it, because we, we've you've heard us say this enough times if you listen, like coaching is just a transfer of belief. So if we take you on as a client, we clearly must believe in you. That obviously means that we have to believe in your ability to solve your own problems. But the same is true for the coaches. And in, in so many times, in so many conflicts, and so many frustrations that we would feel through the owners, you know, with some degree of relation to like, you know, the quality in, in the intent or, you know, the attention rather uh, of those coaches. And like, that's just not true, right? What the coaches have is no shortage of skill. They, they know what they need to do. They, they could at least all pass their L1, which is in and of itself is, is noteworthy. But what they don't understand is how to do their job. Right. How to think critically, how to process, package and promote and distribute their information, how to create value, how to make businesses more money, because they don't even know anything about the business that they're operating inside of. And so one of the big vulnerabilities that comes out of it for sure is the scorecard conversation, because the gym owners are like, wow, I feel like you're telling me I got to take my pants off. Right. Like That's just because they're trying to hide those numbers. But like, here's the thing. Clients are, are, the owners are always complaining about like clients, you know, not wanting to pay more money or, you know, pay higher rates or, or clients won't, they won't pay for this new program they're rolling out or all these things. Or like worse, you know, they get upset over money, right? Like, well, I guess if you just told them how little money the business actually made, they probably wouldn't think that you were just trying to rob them blind, right? Like if they knew that your price increase was coming from a place of necessity, as opposed to greed, like that would probably be a good thing. But that conversation aside, the coaches also need to know that, right? Because like if you're going to make them be a part, if the team is going to be a part of the dream, how do they do that if they don't know where they're starting from? And that was really the intention of PIN, right? Like we believed in their ability to solve their own problems. They just needed the right skill set. And that was what we sought to teach them with PIN was like how to think entrepreneurial, how to think in terms of, of opportunities and problems that they could solve for people, that they could create more value and they could generate more dollars from. That's it. And, and I think that in a lot of ways, pin was a home run for anybody who's ever went through it. And as a whole, that was reserved rightfully for our clients key holders. Right. So like, you know, we, we essentially reserved a place in pin for the most part for people who had come through the program or their, their, their owners were a part of the program. And then we opened up pin to other people, but that's when we learned it was through pin that we were like, Oh, this is what's missing from the entire industry. Cause it didn't matter who came in. It wasn't just because you were our client or not our client. Like everybody was missing the ascension that was necessary to follow the path. And so that's why we built, you know, we, we cleverly call it the MDCP, which just stands for the million dollar coach program. But um, that's basically is four parts. There's the three mindset mandates that are absolutely the most important reframe that every coach has to go through to understand that, like, How do I position myself? How do I package my information? How do I promote myself? Those three things must be constant and consistent and continual conversations for them. And then from there, we move into the next one, which is the six pillars of a six-figure coach. And that's really just, these are the levels that you must climb that you're not paying attention to to get to the place that you want to get to with the information that you already have with you. Like your L1s, L2s, L3s, they're in your backpack, but you still have a journey. Those things are gonna go with you. And along the way, you can put more things in the backpack if you want to. But that's not going to inherently carry itself. You have to carry yeah. it. And then as a bonus, we basically give them the five steps, you know, to create that fortune, that opportunity that will benefit both them and the affiliate. Right? And, and then obviously the opportunity to then work with their own coach like us. Um, and, and the reason we did that, though, was very simple. People needed to teach them the journey that they were on. And the most important thing they needed to teach them was that what you know is already enough. Now you need to make it special. You need to become Mm. special because until you do, you're going to keep competing at the bottom. Mm. It's the old adage, right? So you're going to get what you've never got. You're going to have to do what you've never done. And most of that honestly, truly is tapping into what makes you special. Mm.
1: And once you figure that out, you realize that like there's a million roads that lead to Rome. You can absolutely crush it as a professional coach and just do PT. You can Mm. absolutely crush it and just do class. You can absolutely crush it, do nutrition. You can absolutely do it and do seminars, clinics, workshops. You can be on seminar staff. You can like mix and match and do all of it. But it is up to you to cultivate the skill set and to create and pursue the opportunity. Mm. I think that's like probably the big thing to, you know, maybe wind down on is you you will get no sympathy from those who have made it further in the coaching journey. If you're just sitting around waiting for your turn.
0: Mm.
1: Cause like it, that, it won't that come. suck.
0: Mm. Yeah. And it won't, it won't, you know, it won't come. You can do all the things that everybody else is doing and you know, your turn's not going to come because you just blend in. It's you just beige. You've got to create,
2: uh, yeah. create the space. I mean, Jordan Peterson's probably the most famous for saying it, right? But it's, it's, if you can think and if you can speak and if you can write, you are absolutely deadly. Mm. There's no doubt about it. Those are absolutely vital, imperative cornerstones of what you need to master to be a good coach. You must be able to think creatively, critically, in, in, in otherwise. You must be able to speak it's wild to me how few can do that and you must be able to write you have mm-hmm. to be able to do that because all that is is do you know how to think and then do you know how to deliver your information and no doubt about it we all know great people who have acquired great amounts of information and have no idea how to communicate mm. that information and that's yeah. what we sought to achieve right it was a teach you that like those three things are absolutely cornerstones you need to learn them but it goes much deeper than that It's how Mm. to take the information you have, how to rethink the information you have, how to be critical with it, creative with it, how to communicate it, how to do it better. And the better you do it, the more money you're going to make. And it has nothing to do with permission.
1: And the easier and more fun the whole thing is. I will tell you that coaching is way better when you are better at communicating. (laughs) Coaching is way better when you're better at connecting with people. Mm coaching is way better when you're more confident Mm. it's just like it serves both parties and and if you are struggling and frustrated and burned out as a coach and it feels like you got more issues headaches and fucking friction than you want look at all the skills that you're not getting from the seminars that you're going to and your answers are there Mm. but holy shit if you're doing the same thing as everybody else in your entire market on a micro macro and meta level like yeah, dude, nothing, nothing does make you special. Unfortunately, besides like that, which you choose to embrace.
0: Well, I mean, it's the same as affiliates saying what makes you special? Oh, it's our community. It's our coaching. It's our, no, that's the same. It's a, just a variation of the same on everybody else. It's got to be something that really
2: sets you apart. You have a niche. Everybody has one. You just need to know what it is. And then you have to believe in your worth to communicate that niche that's the hard part to learn but i think one of the one of the more eye-opening parts and and it's it, i think for anybody that gets into the six pillars course i think it truly becomes eye-opening for them and that the place where most of us are where the bulk of the coaches are are on pillar or step number one maybe two mm. right and they think but until they've until they realize that. They actually believe themselves to be as far up as pillar number five, right? Because coaching actually doesn't even happen until pillar number five, right? Essentially four and five. And so lots of people consider themselves coaches long before they are. And I think that helping them see just where they're at in their journey will make it all make way more sense because they'll be like, oh, I'm in the forest. No wonder I can't see the mountains, right? They have to get through the forest first. And a lot of that is just learning where you're at and where you need to get to next. And that was really, I think it is the thing that is very eye-opening for most people is they're like, oh, I'm not even there. Because right? like learning, learning's not even one of the steps. You're not mm-hmm. even like learning comes before the six pillars, I right? Like that that's a whole like pre-pillar, as you'll learn. And like <laughs> that, that doesn't even count towards how to mm-hmm. climb once you've done the learning. Now you gotta get through the first one, which is, you know, pillar number one is basically teaching you how to rethink and reconsider and and think critically of the information that you have acquired over the last handful of years. And then the next step is how do I communicate it? And then it's how do I communicate to a group? And then it's how do I stop communicating what I know at all and start learning what people are struggling with instead and then using what I know as a tool. And then how do I do that in large scale organizations? And then how do I promote myself? That's it. Those are the six steps. Mm. Easy when you put it like that. That's it. Well, I mean, it's that's essentially it. it's been our life's work, right? So it's are just yeah. putting that on paper.
0: Yeah, just putting it out there. Well, I think that's a, uh, a good note to um, to roll this out on. And if anyone does want some information on the Million Dollar Coach program, uh reach out we have a link in the show notes to book a call um or our power and numbers group as well highly valuable and highly recommend it for an owner to put their team through or if your next group starts
2: like next week
0: yeah jump in don't don't miss the bus all right guys a fun entertaining chat um as always good banter good information good fun so i'll see you on the next one
1: see you dudes Thank you, my friend, for listening to the Fit Affiliate podcast. If you would be interested in hopping on a free call with us to just kind of chat about what you think your problems are and what you think the gap is between where you're at and where you want to go, we can see if maybe we can help you along that journey, figure out if we're all a good fit to do some sweet things together. So click the link, set up a consult. Let's help you identify some problems that we can mutually solve.